We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. Hey, Metro Church family, it is a winter wonderland outside, and although I wish we were gathered together, none of us were going to be able to get out in here on time unless you were one of those people to get up at five in the morning, and God bless your soul. Uh, but we are happy that technology can bring us together regardless. And so uh, I'm excited to get into this word today. I thank you for being online with us streaming. Uh, and why don't you just go ahead and push that little share button. Let somebody else in on the fun uh, and what's going on here at Metro Church. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your goodness and your presence. We're thankful for your word that speaks to us. We pray that it would speak directly to our hearts and that it would change us to be more like your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. You know, we're, we're shifting away from this blueprint series that we had been doing. I've, I've been in the Word and, and reading in Matthew 21, and I just wanted to bring some thoughts uh, for you out of Matthew 21 today. I was reading in, in Matthew 21, in verse 28, it's talking about the parable of two sons. And uh, we spent a lot of time recently, well, I guess it was in the middle of the summer, so it wasn't so recent. But we spent a lot of time digging through uh, the parables. Uh, we did a series called What He Said, and, and really broke down what parables were, understanding that uh, parables are very powerful stories to help bring upon some sort of end uh, lesson. And so in, in America, we've learned, uh, you know, certs, certain things like um, the three little pigs or uh, the big bad wolf. These are parables and stories that teach us uh, important lessons, and they're easier to remember uh, because story form is a powerful form of art and communication. And so Jesus used parables quite a bit. And when we're in Matthew 21, I'm reading this parable and just had some thoughts I'd love to share with you. Firstly, we'll be reading together Matthew 21, starting in verse 28. Jesus says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later, he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. What's interesting is Jesus, he's speaking directly to Pharisees. Pharisees are some of the highest religious class in Jewish culture. These people would be working in the temple. They would be people that were around God's word. They would be people in some of the most gorgeous robes. They would be uh, the religious high class. And, and the thing that Jesus is talking about, he's speaking directly to these Pharisees. And what he's really digging down into is, hey, you may be acting the part. You may be saying the right thing. 
But inevitably, you're not doing the thing. You're, you're that latter son. You are the son that said they would do it, but you didn't show up. What Jesus is saying is, hey, there are some that from the very beginning, right out of the gate, they were sinners. Right out of the gate, they weren't playing the part. Right out of the gate, they continued to fail over and over again. Many of them, prostitutes and tax collectors. These people that, that had this, there was a stigma about these people in society. And what he was saying was, hey, guess what? The people that started wrong, yet somehow steered to the right answer eventually, these people are entering the kingdom of God. And there are people who play the part. They look the part. They're the people that may even be the loudest in the way they pray, may be the loudest in the way they worship, may be the loudest in the way that they stand up on their soapbox outside and preach and teach, so to speak. But actually, they're still far from God. And this parable is so powerful. It's so powerful because when I think about it, I parallel it with our lives. It's easy to mean well. It's easy to say the right thing. But when the rubber meets the road, what do I do? Am I doing what I said I would do? Am I being good to my word? If you are taking notes right now from home, you are like, seriously, 100,000 points in the game of life. This is awesome. Number one, which one of these sons am I? Which one of these sons or daughters am I? Am I the one that says yes, but doesn't come through? Am I the one that tries to play the parts, thinking that my reputation in the streets is enough regardless of whether I follow through? You know, uh, you know I, I oftentimes think, how, what kind of a man am I perceived to be? Not who I want to be, but am I perceived to be? You know, what, the way others think of me. Uh, am I somebody whose word means something, whose word actually carries weight? Am I somebody that, when I say yes, do I come through on my yes? You know, which one am I? Am I somebody after saying no, that I eventually do the about face and come through at the end and at least fix things? Uh, when I say, you know, maybe when I say yes to my kid, do I actually come through for them? When I say yes to my boss, do I make it happen? When I say I won't do something, can my spouse believe I won't do it Based on how I have lived, do my words hold any weight? God calls us to be men and women of our word. We find throughout all the scripture, uh, we can find the words that, that are, speak so strongly of how our words are powerful. They're like rudders on a ship. They direct our lives. And you know what? If you're sitting at home today and you're all done shoveling and, uh, you know, you're, you're looking for something to do that's going to be a benefit to your life, maybe do a topical study in the Bible about the power of the tongue. You know, go ahead and Google Bible verses that speak to the power of the tongue and see how many verses speak directly to how powerful our words are when it comes to the outpouring or outworking of our lives. Every day, we must choose to be the good son or the good daughter. Every day, we choose which son or daughter we will be to our heavenly father. And so, uh, you know, number one, which son am I? Number two, to pretend, 
gets you nothing in the end. Again, to pretend gets you nothing in the end. In verse 30, then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. What did he say? He said, yeah, I'll go do what you asked. Absolutely. I'll go to the vineyard. I'll go and work. I'll, uh, you know, he put on the smiling face and he gave the answer. He knew the father wanted to hear, but what happens? He didn't go. He didn't follow through. Oftentimes we've got to, we, we see so many times in a world where people say one thing and do another. They say what is required to have, uh, you know, saved face maybe, or what's required to have looked good, but inevitably they don't work it out in their life, and their words hold less and less weight. Their reputation gets more marred, more scarred, uh, and, and you just, when that person speaks, you just know it's out of the side of their mouth. You can't trust what they say. Let us not be people that pretend, that masquerade with whatever uh, we think someone wants us to look like or whatever we think God wants us to look like, but we actually don't have any substance behind the mask. To pretend gets you nothing in the end. Remember, our word is our bond. Let's be people of character, be people of integrity. Let's remember that uh, when God said yes to the cross, he fulfilled that yes for us. When he chose to give up his life for us, when Jesus did that very thing, he showed us what it's like to uh, let our yes be consistent and be strong regardless of how much it hurts, regardless of how much we may lose. Uh, because at the end, pretending gets us nowhere. Number three, doing an about face will inevitably save face. Again, doing an about face will inevitably save face. The word repent literally means, it used to be an old uh, army term back in the day, an old, uh, you know, term for the military where they would literally do a 180 and turn and go the other direction. When we talk about repent, back in that day, that was understood to do an about face. See, when we say yes to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us, we are repenting. We are saying, I know I was going the wrong direction, and now I'm going to turn and go the right direction. It's not just a simple, I'm sorry. It's an, I'm sorry, and I'm not going to do that anymore. What's interesting about this parable is the, the son that said, I will not go, to the vineyard. He basically said, I won't do what the father asked me. But later on, through clarity, through a revelation, through enlightenment, through this moment of this aha moment, he realized it's better for me to do the very thing that my father asked. And he repented. He did an about face. And he went the other direction. He said, I won't go work in the vineyard. And what did he end up doing? Going and working in the vineyard. And so we have to remember that doing an about face will inevitably save face next time that we stand before the Father. He said in verse 29, I will not. But later he changed his mind and he went. I know that we like to be people that stand firm and that we're not shaky and that we're not, un, uh, that we're not wavering. Uh, but but what, when it comes to doing what God's called us to do, let's be quick to do an about face. Let's be quick to say, you know what? I'm not going to stay on this path leading me the wrong direction. I'm going to do an about face. I know that my words and my actions haven't always uh, been what God wanted me to do. Maybe as this scripture talks about, these prostitutes 
prostitutes and these cheats, these tax collectors in the scripture, they, the Bible says, were entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of the religious leaders who looked the part but were frauds. They were absolute fakes and Jesus was calling them out for it. Don't, don't be so fixated on, on um, going the wrong direction. Be willing to do an about face because inevitably it will save face before the Father. Let's repent. Let's turn from our wicked ways. Let's turn and move towards God and the things he's called us to do. Number four, your past has less to do with your future than your presence. Let me say it again. Your past life has less to do with your future's eternity than your present right now. What you're doing today matters more than what you did 20 years ago, for the good or for the bad. Let me break that down for you. When the scripture's talking about how prostitutes and tax collectors are entering, entering heaven, what he's saying is, it didn't matter how bad their past was. The fact was they were living in their present life. They were living a reality that was more beneficial to their eternity and their future. Right? There are some, like the Pharisees, who may, at that point in their life, had spent 30, 40 years... 50 years working in the temple around God's, uh, you know, kingdom, reading the scriptures, all these things. But the reality was it didn't matter that their 30, 40, 50 years of serving, that didn't uh, automatically put them into the pearly gates. It was about their reality. So I'm going to say it again. Your past, whether good or bad, has less to do with your future then your present has to do with your future. What are you doing today? Are you somebody that has been a believer for 30 years, but the reality is you're burnt out, you stopped serving, you stopped giving, you act the part, people you're relying on your reputation from 20 years ago because you happened to lead worship one time from the stage or because you happened to be a pillar in ministry, but now you're faded, you're phased out. You've decided that you're going to rely on your reputation of the past to try Try and carry you into the kingdom. Maybe you need to wake up today and realize God is more interested in your present than what you did in the past. Maybe today you're saying, man, if you knew what I did last night, you would think I am completely disqualified from God's grace, his mercy, his ability to forgive. Can I tell you, your present in this moment, what you choose to do now has more, uh, more, um, pull. It has more weight towards your eternity and your future than what you did in the past. And you know what? Be encouraged. Maybe you're somebody that you know that you've been living far from God. It's time to do an about face to save face. Your past has less to do with your future than your presence. We get so caught up on what we are known by or our past reputation rather than our present reality. In verse 30, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors are the, and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and do an about face and believe him. 
Again, Jesus is speaking very specifically to these religious leaders who had seen John the Baptist's ministry. They went down and they watched as he baptized uh, all these people uh, and, and as he continued to profess the coming of Jesus and as he was making, uh, making the path straight, as he was making way for Jesus to come. And all these religious leaders, even though they saw it and they saw the good fruit that was coming from it, they chose because it didn't put them in an honor position, because it took power away from them, they chose not to believe. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It just, that moment of realizing sometimes we hold on to our identity so much we don't get to become the new transformed person God has called us to be. So uh, we just, we, we need to not get so caught up on our past reputation, but be focused on our present reality. Pharisees may still call these people prostitutes, but God sees them differently. That's what's interesting. Jesus, he's pointing out all of these people that they still look down on, that they still see as lower class, that they still see as disqualified from the kingdom of God. And Jesus is re-identifying them, transforming them based on grace and mercy. And he's basically saying, you think it's like this, but I've done it like this because prostitutes are even ahead of you who think you've got it all together because you're living a fake and fraudulent life. And so we've got to understand it's about being real. We've got to be authentic. We can't act as though the, the show that we put on for everybody is actually going to hold any weight in the kingdom of heaven. God knows, which leads me to my last point. Number five. It's not about playing the part. It's about being the part. It's not about playing the part. It's about being the part. God's not looking for great actors. He's not putting on a you've got talent to find who can act and be the most holy looking, who has the perfect line to say all the time. He's not looking for a great actor. He's not looking for those that play the part or look the part, but whose hearts are far from him coming to him authentically. He's looking for the life that is transformed by his touch. So what's so interesting about this parable is, again, Jesus is talking to some of the highest class religious type of his day. And in the presence of witnesses going on the record that your class in society does not afford you any privilege before God. I'm going to say that again. Your class in society does not afford you any privilege before God. These people had a high class as uh, really honored among all people as uh, men of the cloth. These people were of the religious hierarchy in that day and age. And Jesus is literally going on record saying that does not get you any clout before the cloud of heaven. That does not give you any status among the rest that are doing it right. Don't think that just because you came from a pastor's house or that you grew up in a church or that you had some good years back in the day involved in ministry, that that's going to get you uh, extra clout or privilege before God. It's about our present reality. Yes, I believe we are marked by the Holy Spirit, but I believe we make decisions daily on whether we're going to follow him or whether we're going to grieve him. I'm telling you, God is calling us to be focused on our today, on our reality. 
And so God is about what you do, not just what you say. He's about us choosing him, choosing obedience, and living out authenticity, living out an authentic life that doesn't act like we've got it together, but that we're willing to say we don't have it together. That we're willing to say in our weakness, he's made strong, not trying to look strong to show it as though we've made ourselves what we are. No, no, no. I would rather be the son who said no in the beginning, who had a horrible start, but had clarity and made a, a repentance and about face to save face to make myself, not, my, not making myself, but to allow Jesus to make me right with God. But that comes out in how I live. What I say, the life that I am living matters. And so let's be people who do what we say. Let us be people that consider God's cross before we complain about not being comfortable. Let's remember there was nothing comfortable about what Jesus did for us. The grace that we live in is absolutely amazing. The New Testament, can I get a hanky away from the couch? The New Testament agreement that we have through Jesus is absolutely amazing. But let's remember to be authentic people who live out our convictions, not just in word, but in deed. I'd rather be the first son who got it wrong, but made things right in the end, rather than being the second son who played the game, looked the part, but inevitably, inevitably was a fraud. So let me just say this, church. We may be able to trick our peers, but God can spot fraud from his throne in heaven. I hope you've received that word today. And as I close, I'd just love for you to bow your heads. Just close your eyes wherever you are, whether you're in your recliner, the couch, wherever you are right now, just take a moment and consider between you and God, God, which son, which daughter am I? Which one am I? Am I the person that is playing the part, but really deep down inside all of the skeletons in the closet, all of the things I truly know that aren't right in my world's, Am I acting like they don't exist as if you don't really know what's going on? Because if that's the case, maybe today you need to be the one that actually comes out and says, I'm turning around. I'm changing this. I'd rather be the son every day of the week that at first had gotten it wrong, but got it right at the end. Remember, your past has less to do with your future than your present. So I ask you right now in the present, in this moment, where do you stand with Jesus? Have you made a decision to say, God, I need you. I know I'm far from perfect and I need your help. I know that the fact that I've missed the mark means that I've sinned. But today, I want you to wash that sin away. I want you to give me a fresh start, a clean slate. And I'm going to do that through the name of Jesus. Look, there's only one name under heaven, above earth by which man can be saved. And that's Jesus, because he's the only one that came and lived the perfect life to die for our imperfection. It was his sinless blood that was offered on the cross to cover the sins of humanity, yours and mine. I'm thankful that Jesus said yes, and I'm thankful that God sent his son. But today, you need to say yes to receive his son. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Maybe you're here and you're, you're listening to this. You're on the other side of the screen right now or listening on a podcast and you're saying, I know I need to get right with God. I just want to help arrange that meeting. I want to make the invitation. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before. I'd love to be the person to help introduce you. 
So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're saying, Pastor Chad, include me in that prayer, wherever you are right now, just in your hearts, say yes. Maybe even out loud, just say yes. Say yes, God, I want to be made right. I want you to see me as a son or as a daughter. I want to be the real deal, not a fraud. If that's you, then I'd love to lead you in this prayer. Come on, we can all say this together. Let's say, God, I thank you that you love me so much that you haven't given up on me. I know I've made a lot of mistakes and I'm far from perfect. But today, I ask Jesus to come into my heart. God, I ask you to forgive me. Holy Spirit, help me to live this life the way you created me to, with purpose. And although I'm going to need a lot of help, today I submit to you. I ask you to help me, transform me, renew my mind, and help me to live this life for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm so excited for you. Look, if you made that decision, we as a church, we want to come alongside you and help you on this faith journey because it is that. It's a journey. And uh, we want to have some people that we can run with. Uh, everybody needs some Gatorade in the marathon. You know what I mean? We want to be there to encourage you and help you. Uh, I'll tell you, if you made that decision, you're about to see a video that's going to show you how Metro Church can do even more for you than just applaud you. Uh, you need a good church home. And uh, we would love for Metro church to be your home. Maybe there's not a good church near you that you haven't been able to find. Stay connected online, but if we can help you find a healthy church that you can grow in the community, we would love to help you find it wherever you are. Uh, but if you're in the Metro West area, we'd love to have you here with us every Sunday, 945 and 1130, unless there's a blizzard like there was today. But know that we love you. I want to remind you just a couple quick things. Uh, we've got a brand new series starting this Sunday. So do not miss it. I'm really, really excited by it. This series rolls right into our Vision Sunday. That is February 13th. It's Super Bowl Sunday, that Sunday. But the party begins here in God's house. You're not going to want to miss it. Come on out in whatever jersey you want to rock. I know our Patriots aren't in the Super Bowl. But who cares? Wear it. Have fun. It's going to be a great Sunday. Church, know that I love you. I'm praying for you. And I'll see you again soon. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church. 